Welcome to episode three of In Your Element, a gaming podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Adler. This week was supposed to be featuring Patrick Hickey Jr. discussing his new book, The Minds Behind the Games, but I had to move it back to next week. So stay tuned for that. It should be a fantastic show. Today, however, we're going to wrap up my gaming history with part two, moving into the modern era of gaming. I received a lot of good feedback from the first episode, many of you wanting me to go more in depth with some of my favorite games, so I'll be diving a bit deeper into some of those titles today. Before I begin, I want to let you know where you can find me at on social media. Uh, Instagram is going to be at In Your Element Podcast. Twitter is at IYE Podcast. Facebook page set up over at In Your Element Podcast. Feel free to show some support on my Patreon at patreon.com slash in your element. Discord server is set up as of today. Um, invites are available through subscription via Patreon. And if you have any questions or comments, email me at inyourelementpodcast at gmail.com. I'd also like to thank our new patrons. We have four of them, Dave, Cheryl, Denise, and Fantasy Football Observer. Thank you all so very much. Your support allows me to create more content and grow our community. Now, let's jump into some of the top news for the week. So earlier this week was Gamescom over in Germany. Some really cool titles shown off there, first of which is Cyberpunk 2077. Some new screenshots and concept art was demonstrated. This game is just shaping up to be really cool. I am very excited. I didn't play too much of The Witcher 3, but I know the respect that that game has. Uh, I absolutely love the environment and the aesthetic of Cyberpunk, so I am all in. The more I see of that game, the more interested I am for sure. The second one that was shown off was uh, by the supermassive um, developers, the creators of Until Dawn, as well as a handful of PSVR titles such as Until Dawn Rush of Blood, The Inpatient, and most recently Bravo Team. They announced their new project titled The Dark Pictures Anthology. Looks like they're going back to their horror roots and creating a, a AAA title for PS4, so not a VR title this time. Uh, their first title, Man of Medan, is set to launch in 2019. Um, and one of the developers said the goal of the Dark Pictures anthology is to create a set of standalone horror games, and they're looking to release two per year. This is super exciting. I loved Until Dawn. I actually played it with my girlfriend, who typically typically doesn't play many games, uh, but she she just loved the decision-making aspect of it. The characters in there were believable. The setting was scary. I'm interested to see where this goes, and I'm definitely going to check it out. Uh, another game shown off was Sekiro Shadows Die Twice. Uh, got a release date finally, which is March 22nd, 2019. So another early 2019 game. Looks like it's going to be really packed around that time with uh, Anthem and some other titles coming out. Uh, they did announce a collector's edition for that as well. Um, game looks pretty interesting um, after seeing some more content that they showed off this week. I don't have much experience personally with the Soul series except for probably about 10 hours of Bloodborne, um, but I'm definitely intrigued. Um, I feel like this game still looks so similar to me to the PlayStation exclusive Ghost of Tsushima that's supposed to come out at some point. Uh, I know it's definitely going to have more of like a Souls type uh, experience to it. But the, the setting, the environment, they kind of just look very similar. So I'm curious to see which one of those games um, succeeds. I'm sure they both will, but how different they actually end up being. Nintendo showed off Super Mario Party uh, with a new river rafting party mode where it looks like everybody works together to navigate a raft down a raging river and cooperate in mini games together to extend the timer. So that's uh, cool. Uh, after looking at some more of the information on the website, looks like they are going back to the board game, um, you know, um, traditional Mario Party feel, which I'm excited about because I know 
for years, the Mario Party series has kind of just been going downhill, especially with the last one with like the whole car and the Bowser mechanic that was just terrible uh, on Wii U. But I'm um, glad to see that they're kind of going back to their roots and, and redoing this in the right way. Um, the river raft mode looks exciting. I was kind of getting those flashbacks from that Bowser car thing there too, uh, but it looks really fun. So I'm excited to give that a shot. Game's coming out in just a couple months, uh, I guess a little over a month now. So very excited for that. Um, speaking of Nintendo, there's a Nintendo Switch Nindies Showcase set for this Tuesday, August 28th at 9 a.m. Pacific time. They did have an event earlier in the week um, with no really fanfare around it from Nintendo UK where they showed off some indie titles, some of which got released uh, that day. So I hope this isn't the same event just for uh, the Americas. I hope it's actually some new stuff that we get to see. So um, lastly, some Pokemon Go news. Um, the Celebi task was released earlier this week. So all you trainers get out there, complete a variety of tasks from Professor Willow and unlock the mythical time-traveling Pokemon Celebi. Uh, they also announced the dates for the next Community Day, which takes place September 22nd from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. It's going to be featuring Chikorita this time, which I'm excited to get some shinies of. Uh, the last event for EV, I got 15 shinies, so I hope I didn't use up all my luck then, uh, but I'm definitely excited nonetheless. And there's also a Johto event going on in Pokemon Go right now with special challenges featuring Johto Pokemon at Pokestops as well as increased spawns for all Gen 2 Johto Pokemon. So that does it for the news. Let's hop into part two of my gaming history. This time around, I'm going to list off the top games I played for each console, similar to what I did before. But then afterwards, I'm going to dive deeper into select titles to give a little bit more context. So let's kick it off with PlayStation 3. So PS3 was um, an interesting era for Sony. Definitely not the Sony of today, but the Sony of yesteryear, um, where they weren't on top. They were kind of behind the eight ball, behind Microsoft, who was just killing it with the 360. Um, nonetheless, I stayed really um, true to Sony and and got, got the PS3 pretty much right after it came out. Um, some of the games that stood out to me on that, that generation was, of course, The Last of Us, Grand Theft Auto V, Skyrim, Arkham Asylum, Uncharted series 1, 2, and 3, uh, Portal 2 was an awesome game, Bioshock 1 and 2, Assassin's Creed 2, Borderlands 2, lots of 2s, uh, Far Cry 3, Fallout 3, Dishonored, uh, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2, which was the first one that really got me into it, uh, and beyond. So those are some of the standout titles for me personally from PS3. Um, of course, I definitely still played a lot of sports games during that time, uh, Madden and NBA Live, um, uh, I guess 2K at the time as well. Uh, but those are definitely like the uh, more gaming type games that stood out to me. Um, Bioshock series definitely is one of my favorite of all time. I think that's one of the games that's really like uh, core to my um, my gaming, I guess, repertoire. I don't know. What I really gravitate towards, I guess, uh, is is exactly that game. The atmosphere, the environment, the storytelling in that was just outstanding. I loved finding the audio dialogues that kind of fleshed out the lore in that environment. And the twist at the end of that game is unforgettable for me. It's a game, I think it's the game that if I could erase my memory and go back and play a game, it would be uh, Bioshock 1, um, that and probably Metroid Prime as well. Arkham Asylum is another fantastic game that I played during that era. 
and I believe it's a game that really set the tone for how combat should be for modern games. So a lot of games like Assassin's Creed or the Spider-Man game that's coming out for PS4, I think a lot of that DNA and those fight sequences really traces back to Arkham Asylum. Um, I really didn't care too much for superheroes um, at the time. I think the uh, it was probably right around the time that Dark Knight came out, which was I think what really kicked off this whole like superhero generation that we've got now. A lot of people that really didn't grow up reading comics like myself didn't really have this love for these characters, but Arkham Asylum really brought a way to um, bring Batman into the mainstream from a gaming standpoint that was actually a really, really good game. And I think a game that caught most people off guard, not a lot of people were anticipating that being a, a game of the year contender, and it absolutely was. Uh, Far Cry 3 is another special game to me. I'd never played a Far Cry game before that, but the moment I encountered Voss, the antagonist, I was absolutely floored by his performance. The game just did such a good job of building out this world and making you feel a true sense of fear from this individual. It was one of the first games that I uh, got 100% on and got the Platinum Trophy for, and uh, I was very proud of that. Another game that I really enjoyed during that time was Dishonored, which I feel is a pretty underrated game for that generation, even though it got really good reviews. I never really hear uh, a lot of people talk about Dishonored or even the newer Dishonored 2 that, that came out recently. Um, but I discovered it, um, after playing Bioshock, which I played pretty late, um, and I picked up Dishonored when it came out. It definitely scratched that itch for me, that Bioshock itch, um, with being able to use certain powers in combat, uh, similar to the plasmids that you'd use in Bioshock. And the stealth mechanic was, uh, was really interesting. Uh, I really liked how you could essentially play the game however you wanted, whether all stealth or just going in guns blazing, and the environment would respond and react to your gameplay style, which was uh, a really interesting concept for the time. And uh, it's kind of sad to see that Bethesda is shelving that that franchise for now due to uh, some poor sales for the last one. Um, I hope at some point we get to see some more Dishonored because it was uh, it was a really cool cool experience. Of course, the uh, Uncharted and Last of Us games were. Uh, really a good way of demonstrating how cinematic games really could be. And I think uh, some of the first true experiences for me where I felt like I was playing through a movie. Um, And as good as The Last of Us was, I never fully appreciated it on the PS3. And I actually didn't end up finishing it until the remastered uh, edition came out on PS4. But um, outstanding story, really interesting ending, something that I don't think anybody saw coming for sure. Uh, moving on to the Wii, uh, some of the games that stood out to me on that generation was the, of course, Wii Sports. I think everybody at this point has played Wii Sports at some point with their friends or family or grandma or grandpa. Um, Zelda Twilight Princess, uh, Super Smash Brothers Brawl, Animal Crossing City Folk, Mario Galaxy, uh, and Super Paper Mario. So the, the Wii, to me, uh, as somebody who really cherishes Nintendo uh, consoles and properties. Um, The Wii to me was just a good console. wasn't really great. There were definitely some novel games, but I never really got that experience that I was looking for from Nintendo. Um, The games relied too heavily on the Wiimote and motion controls, which at the time were really novel, but I think they kind of overstayed their welcome a bit, Um, especially when, you know, a lot of games kind of just forced it in there and they 
didn't really have a, a true controller for that. There's definitely those uh, little attachments you could plug into the bottom, like a classic controller that was a must-have, I think, for virtual console games. Uh, but they didn't really have like a true controller. You know, after having the GameCube, which was just a, a perfect design for controller, and then moving to the Wiimote, which just always felt so awkward to hold sideways and play. It just, uh, it wasn't, it wasn't the best uh, console experience. But, I mean, they sold crazy amounts of the Wii. So, I mean, it definitely set the success and turned Nintendo around because prior to that, they were, they were kind of going downhill from a, from a company standpoint in terms of profit. So glad to see that they kind of came back with the Wii. Um, Twilight Princess was a game that I was determined to finish, uh, since it was a launch game and there was really nothing to play. Um, but that was another Zelda game that I just started and never finished like all the others. Um, I don't know if I brought this up before, but there's something, um, about the Legend of Zelda series that I feel I'm just cursed to never finish those games. And I don't know why, because I know they're good games and uh, they've got a long history and a huge fan base. Uh, for whatever reason, I start them, play through them, enjoy them for a bit, and then just stop and never go back and finish them. So the first one I ever finished was Wind Waker on GameCube, which was uh, a really, really good game. Um, love the art style. Um, the story was good. The fights were good. I'm the puzzles, the dungeons, everything was really, really good in that game. Um, I know I'd never finished Ocarina of Time. Uh, played that game numerous times on on plenty of different platforms, and still have never finished that game. So I know that's uh, probably a pretty um, uh, harsh thing to say uh, as someone who claims to be a Nintendo fan that I've never finished uh, Zelda Ocarina of Time, but. Alas, that's where I'm at. Um, so I was really determined when Twilight Princess came out that I was going to finish that one because I had played uh, Wind Waker previous to that, and I really liked it. Uh, for whatever reason, I just didn't get into Twilight Princess. The The beginning was very slow, and it seemed like it just took a while to get going. And the game just was so dark. Like, it just had a dark tone to it um, that I just I didn't, I didn't jive with at the time. Those are pretty much the uh, uh, experiences from the Wii that I can recall. Honestly, I mean, it was it was a good console, like I said, some some memorable memorable games that I mentioned, but um, nothing really of note to dive into, from my opinion. Uh, moving into Xbox 360, so um, at the time I purchased the Xbox 360, it was very late as well, just like um, when I purchased the original Xbox, very late. I actually got it with the Halo 4 bundle. Uh, when that came out, um, I missed out on Halo 3, um, ODST, and Reach. Uh, I played the campaign of 4, and it wasn't really memorable to me. The multiplayer was definitely good with friends, but it didn't feel like that that Halo 2 tier for me. So uh, I'm, I don't know. I feel like Halo is another, another franchise that I feel like I should love, but I just don't care for it as much, I guess, maybe just because I was always late to the party with Xbox in general. So I didn't really get to play it with everybody at the time, you know, when they first came out and, and there's a bunch of hype around it. And I just, I love sci-fi and I love aliens. I love space. I love all that, but just never, never clicked with me. Um, destiny on the other hand, love destiny. So I don't know. I don't know why I never got into halo. 
Uh, Bioshock Infinite was uh, another great entry into the Bioshock franchise. Another really, really cool atmosphere, super different from Rapture, which was really dark and claustrophobic at times. Columbia was the complete opposite. It was open and bright and beautiful. Uh, The combat in the game was great. The story was good. It was a little confusing at the end for me. Um, I remember finishing that game and just uh, scouring message message boards for uh, a couple hours just to see what everybody was saying. Um, I went back and actually replayed that game on uh, 1999 mode, which was extremely tough at times, uh, but ultimately it was uh, a memorable experience for me. Uh, It was my first thousand gamer score on Xbox as well, so I was uh, proud to make Bioshock, one of my favorite franchises, be the first thousand gamer score I got. Uh, I also discovered indie games on Xbox, so they had um, Xbox, what was it, Xbox Live Arcade, where they had some uh, smaller titles that were on there. Um, It was a lot of kind of throwaway trash stuff that you'd find on like the the, uh, Nintendo eShop at the time, like their WiiWare stuff that was just kind of, you know, there's a couple good games in there, but a lot of it was just trash. But the Xbox um, Live Arcade was really where I found some um, indie games that really spoke to me at the time um, and really kind of started that love for indie games that I have today. Um, some of the games like Fez and Braid and uh, Super Meat Boy. Um, I realized that I really liked that traditional style graphics that those games had and the simplicity of the games uh, in between playing AAA games. So it was kind of a nice palate cleanser for me to play some of these smaller titles that that weren't as demanding or, or as graphically like, you know, um, forward as uh, everything else that was coming out at the time. It was kind of nice to take a break and play something that felt a little bit more reminiscent of like childhood times. Uh, really, really good games, though. Highly recommend if you guys haven't played um, Fez uh, or Super Meat Boy. Those are and Braid. Braid's fantastic too. Those are all very, very good indie games and kind of like some of the first that that pioneered the whole like indie movement, I feel like. There's actually a really good documentary too on, um, geez, I think it's on Amazon Prime right now, Indie Game, the movie, where they actually interview the uh, developers for those games and a really interesting story. So if you haven't checked that out, take a look. So after the Xbox 360, um, let's move into the PlayStation Vita. So not a lot to say about the Vita, except in my opinion, it is Sony's biggest missed opportunity. Um, It's a great handheld. Uh, It's a big, beautiful OLED display. They just didn't have much first-party support from Sony and their studios, which led to not a lot of AAA third-party support either. And ultimately, I think, was the downfall of the Vita. Um, similar to the PSP, uh, I think it's it's a, a console that came out at the wrong time. The PSP was definitely ahead of its time. Um, the Vita, I think, also ahead of its time. They were kind of pitching it at the time as uh, a PS3 experience on the go, which in many ways they definitely delivered on, uh, but... Uh, it's just kind of too bad that they they didn't get much traction behind it because it really could have been a, a big competitor for the 3DS and uh, for Nintendo in general because Nintendo, I mean, they own the handheld market and have for 20 plus years without much competition. 
And it's sad to see that Sony had a really good opportunity to kind of take some of that market share away from Nintendo and for whatever reason, just focus their efforts elsewhere. But I remember the first time um, I got to play the Vita, I was at a Sony event um, at the time for work and I got to try out the Vita and just fell in love the moment that I played it and went out and bought one that night. And um, the most memorable game for me on that system was probably Luminous, which is a puzzle game. Um, Traditionally, I'm not a huge puzzle game fan, but the soundtrack uh, in that game is absolutely enticing. Uh, It almost puts you in a trance at times. Uh, The way that the music and and the puzzle, uh, it's it's similar to like Tetris in that in the sense of, you know, you got blocks falling and you got to match them up. But um, really unique because it goes hand in hand with the music and there's like a time aspect of it too so uh, very cool game and a game that I would play almost every night before going to sleep to kind of just relax me a little bit and uh, ultimately just try and top my high score before going to bed each night I'm happy that they just re-released it on switch too so hopefully it can find a bigger audience I definitely picked it back up and played there and enjoyed my time with it again um, another game that stood out, uh, no surprise here, Persona 4 Golden. That was my first entry into the Persona franchise. Uh, probably put about 25 hours or so into it, and for whatever reason, I just never went back to finish it, like a lot of other games. Um, I really like the gameplay loop, though, and there you're meeting people and hanging out with friends and battling and fusing Personas, which are, um, they kind of felt like Pokemon to me in that sense, where you're kind of collecting these different um, monsters and such that you kind of use in battle. Um, it's too bad. I had a lot of other things I was playing at the time, um, that that came out. So I didn't get to finish it. Of course, uh, I definitely would love to see that come to switch one day though. I know it's an older game. Um, and personally, I think persona five would be amazing to have on switch, but I would definitely sell for having persona four golden on there. Uh, moving over to the 3ds. So, uh, some of the games that stood out to me on the 3ds, um, super Mario 3d land, Animal Crossing New Leaf, Fire Emblem Awakening, Zelda Link Between Worlds, Pokemon X and Y and Sun and Moon, Metroid Samus Returns, Ocarina of Time 3D, which I didn't finish, Majora's Mask 3D, also didn't finish, sorry, and uh, Star Fox 3D. Love that game. Uh, Mario 3D Land, that was um, a great experience, I think. I, I love the the use of the 3D mechanic in certain levels to kind of create a sense of depth. Um, some of the levels would be difficult to play without the 3D on. I know uh, the 3DS, a lot of people don't play with the 3D on because it gives them headaches or they just don't feel it's necessary. And um, oddly enough, most of the games that, that are releasing now on the 3DS still are don't even take advantage of the 3D. In fact, Nintendo seems to be completely abandoning the 3D aspect of it for the past year and a half or so and really pushing the 2DS now, just since it's cheaper and it's more accessible. Uh, But I think Mario 3D Land was a really good representation of how the 3D could work on the 3DS. And um, the the level design was, um, it was was great. I enjoyed it a lot. Um, It was also refreshing that it wasn't another new super mario Brothers style experience that 2d you know with the modern graphics i think we're all kind of over that aesthetic graphically so i was glad to see kind of a different take on some mario games um, animal crossing new leaf probably my favorite animal crossing experience in the franchise 
Um, having that on a portable system is is absolutely where that game belongs. The DS version was good, but it definitely felt a little light at times. So New Leaf was a really refreshing game to have on 3DS. It was the full Animal Crossing experience, complete with online play, being able to visit other people's towns, um, super custom is super customizable um, in terms of the the house and the characters and. Um, if you like Animal Crossing, this is like the, the one to get for sure. Fire Emblem Awakening, um, another game that really enticed me. Uh, I think it actually was one of the games that I really purchased a 3DS for. So uh, I actually, at the time, I wasn't planning on picking up the 3DS. I was at a time in my life where I was pretty much just playing <clears throat> um, mainly sports games and kind of moving away from more of like the traditional gaming experiences. I was in high school. So, you know, that time frame where it's just like everybody was playing like Guitar Hero at parties or playing Madden pickup games um, or FIFA, you know, I was I was kind of moving out of this um, gaming uh, background that I had. So for me, when the 3DS came out, I was, you know, looking at it like, this would be great if I had it, but I probably won't play it. The games at the time, um, if you recall, when the 3DS launched, didn't have a huge library, and the console was extremely expensive when they first uh, began selling them. So the initial launch of the 3DS was not very good. Um, Nintendo ended up lowering the price on it and basically giving all of the people that purchased the 3DS a handful of games for free. Um, classic games, um, Super Nintendo games, Game Boy Advance games, uh, some games that you can't even get on 3DS right now, like um, Metroid Fusion. Uh, so the ambassador program is what they called that at the time. And uh, I was kind of bummed out because as somebody who has pretty much purchased every Nintendo console, this was the first one that I didn't get at launch. And I felt like, damn, if only I had gotten that, I could have had this small collection of games that you can't really get elsewhere right now unless you have other systems. But either way, I ended up picking it up when it was uh, a lot cheaper. It was like $179 when I got it. Um, picked up a few games. One of them, though, Fire Emblem Awakening, was um, definitely like a system seller. That was uh, for sure the big uh, um, coming out party, I think, for Fire Emblem here in America. As a series that's been extremely successful for a long time in Japan, it's nice to see that it finally hit home with the audience here in America because it's an outstanding experience. Um, I remember playing the one on Game Boy Advance, just the one called, here called Fire Emblem, um, but this one was so much better. They had updated cutscenes and this beautiful artwork. Um, highly recommended if you like turn-based style games, strategy games. Um, Another game that I played on 3DS and actually finished was uh, Legend of Zelda A Link Between Worlds. So this was only the second Zelda game I believe I ever beat at the time. And after basically buying every single Zelda game for every console and portable, um, surprisingly this one had the hook that kept me going. Uh, I don't know what it was, but I really liked the mechanic of being able to turn into a 2D piece of art that you'd move along the walls and solve puzzles with. It was a really enjoyable game. I liked it. The The dungeons were good. The combat felt good. It was more of like a top-down 
style, like Link to the Past look. So even though I didn't grow up playing a Link to the Past, I just really like that art style for Zelda and it was a good game. I enjoy it. Recommend it. Uh, Pokemon X and Y, that was the first big redesign of the series that they had in a while. Um, and the move to like this pseudo 3D look, um, moving ever closer to this um, this perfect version that everybody's been looking forward to since childhood, where we can actually play in full 3D and walk around and see the Pokemon and, you know, basically like the, like the cartoon. Um, but this was definitely a step towards that. Some of the game was actually playable with the full 3D effect on, which was cool, like the battles, which looked absolutely stunning in 3D. Um, the overworld, though, was not in 3D, um, however, but still, it's a, it is a good game. I poured a ton of hours into X and Y. Highly recommend it. If you haven't played a Pokemon game in a while, that's the one I would recommend jumping into because it's just the most complete version uh, that I can uh, remember as of late. Um, I also did play Sun and Moon. That was the most recent title that I've played from the franchise. Um, at first, I really loved the Alola um, atmosphere and seeing a lot of the classic Pokemon reimagined in their purest form. But after a while, I kind of just lost interest in the game for some reason. I don't know if it was the lack of uh, a true gym um, system and they kind of moved to these like challenges that you ended up doing. But it was the first Pokemon title that I picked up and not finished, which was crazy. I didn't even like complete all of the challenges and uh, get the legendary Pokemon in there or anything. So that being said, I'm still looking forward to uh, Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu and Eevee later this year and whatever they've got planned for next year where they said they're going to return to more of a core title. Uh, <clears throat> another game that I really enjoyed on the uh, 3DS was Metroid Samus Returns that came out um, end of last year, I believe. And that was the first Metroid game that was... Actually, when did that come out? Now that I'm thinking. Was that earlier this year? It feels like it's been a while. Either way, it's the first um, good Metroid game that's been released in years. And it was a very good experience overall. Um, I never played Metroid 2 Return of Samus on Game Boy. So this was my first time really kind of playing that story. And uh, it was good. I was pleased with it. It definitely got a little repetitive near the end since you're essentially doing the same thing over. You're hunting Metroids, opening a portal to a new area, and then hunting more Metroids, and then fighting a boss there and moving to a new area and kind of just repeating the same thing. Um, the boss design that they used was reused a lot too. So they only had like a few different Metroid type bosses that you'd encounter um, that were kind of like variants of, of Metroids. Um, but I, I, you know, I understand that's how the original game was on Game Boy. And at the time that that wasn't a very powerful system to kind of show off all these different characters. So, uh, I understand they're trying to stay true to that original game and story, but I definitely would have liked to see a little bit more variety in the boss fights for sure. Uh, cause they started to feel a little bit samey at times, but overall it was a good Metroid experience. Um, kind of, scratch the itch for that 2d metroid style experience exploring and everything uh and those amiibo woof those are good the good amiibo uh moving on i built my first pc in 2012 so i was looking to jump into pc gaming at that time um oddly enough the game that i really wanted to build my pc for was system shock 2 which i remember seeing on sale on steam 
at the time it was like 249 or something crazy and i thought wow this is the this is the predecessor to bioshock this is the, the you know the spiritual predecessor if you will of the series that i love so much i'd love to play that so i spent like $2500 to build this pc to basically play a game from 1999 um which was a little overkill um, I remember the moment I booted it up and started playing, um, after about an hour, I just looked and thought, wow, this looks like trash. And I don't think I ever played it again. Um, but I did, you know, um, pretty much fall into that trap of steam sales and humble bundles. And now I just have this huge library of games that I'm probably never going to finish or play or, you know, whatever, but it's cool. Um, I did play a lot of other games though. Um, reluctantly jumping into a lot of Blizzard games. Uh, and I say reluctantly because, uh, again, at this time, I was still kind of playing just a lot of sports games and kind of moving away from, like, m- you know, more traditional games, if you will. So I always regarded Blizzard games as, like, the nerdiest of the the games, right? you know, people who played Blizzard games played WoW and stuff, I would look at and be like, wow, that is a, that is an, a point that I never want to reach. But little did I know how immersive these worlds and these characters were, man. I fell in love. Um, I personally never really got into WoW, but I did play StarCraft II for a bit, um, playing through the, the Wings of Liberty campaign and a little bit of the second campaign um, I played Diablo 3 for a bit, as I mentioned in the previous episode, playing through like the, I want to say the first two or three acts. So I never finished that one, but it was a good game, man. Um, Heroes of the Storm, I definitely gave that a shot. Um, kind of dove into Dota 2 um, from the Valve side of things for a bit. Played probably like 30 hours of Dota 2 and really enjoyed it. So Heroes of the Storm just felt like a much more accessible version of Dota. Um, don't have to worry about the shop and upgrades and all that stuff. Um, of course, played Overwatch on PS4, and I, I love the characters in that. But the one game that I can say I've easily put more time into than any other game ever is Hearthstone. Um, Hearthstone is probably one of not one of if not the best game I've ever played, I guess. I don't know. It's, um, I remember playing it, uh, right after it came out at beta, which was like 2014 and having growing up with Pokemon cards and creating these decks and battling with friends, I already knew this was something I was going to be interested in. So, um, shortly after they launched on PC, I remember hearing that it was going to come out on iPad about a month later. So I waited to, basically pick it back up there, uh, which I think was like April of 2014. But I honestly think if they hadn't launched on iPad, I probably would have just stopped playing. It's just uh, such an accessible game to play on mobile. Um, You know, pick it up, play a couple games on the couch while you're watching TV or here and there on breaks at work. Um, I love it. I can't say enough about this game. I think I've told plenty of my friends about it and got them into it as well. Um, I still play it daily um, since 2014, which is crazy. So I'm usually the type of person that kind of plays games for a bit and 
gets what I, you know, gets what, get what I need out of it and move on. But this game's just kept my attention expansion after expansion. Um, they just released the, the Boomsday project, which is their latest expansion. And I'm still right there, man. I'm loving it. It's great. Thank you, Blizzard. Uh, moving on to the Wii U. So <laughs> the Wii U, um, this console got a really bad rap and I feel bad personally because, uh, it houses a small, um, collection of very, very good games that, um, get a lot of flack for being on this console. Um, and I think the reason the Wii U failed so badly is just the way Nintendo marketed it or lack thereof. Everybody thought it was this add on for the Wii, which, you know, at the time was still so popular and every household pretty much had one. So I don't blame them for thinking that this was like an add on to that. Um, the name that they chose was just terrible for it. Um, the ads didn't explain at all that it's a new console with new games. So I think Nintendo really dropped the ball and they know it. Um, they know it was not a success, but they still put out a ton of good games on there. I still own my Wii U and I love it, but I think this is Nintendo's biggest missed opportunity. Uh, but without it, I don't think we'd have the Switch. So I'm happy that, that it existed. Some of the games that I liked on there was, of course, Super Smash Brothers for Wii U, uh, Super Mario 3D World, New Super Mario Brothers U, and New Super Luigi U, which was the DLC for that, Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze, Splatoon, Super Mario Maker, Captain Toad Treasure Tracker, and Pockin Tournament. Those are some of the standout titles on the Wii U for me. Um, Super Mario 3D World was another refreshing Mario experience that you could actually play with up to four players uh, at the same time, which is cool. It was uh, this great isometric 3D game with a wonderful level design, um, super fun, um, highly recommend. And I hope that comes to Switch at some point, uh, as a lot of the Wii U games have been this year and last. Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze, one of the games that also just recently came to Switch, um, that has to be one of the best games for the Wii U. It's a tough as nails platformer with an incredible level design and soundtrack. Um, just a really good platformer for sure. I think, um, one of the best Donkey Kong games ever. Um, definitely a good callback to the original Super Nintendo games. And then, uh, Super Mario Maker. So this was, this was a unique experience and one that I truly think can only live on the Wii U. I mean, because of the touchscreen aspect of it, it's on 3DS as well, but it really was at home on the Wii U just because of the screen, right? You could play that on the small screen or you can throw it up on your big TV and see it on the big screen as well. But the premise was basically you could create your own 2D or 3D Mario levels from scratch using different assets from the series like the uh, the warp pipes or the Goombas or the Koopas or whatever. You know, you can place these items on a grid and basically build your own level. Um, it ended up becoming this wonderful community of creations that are taking inspiration from all sorts of franchises. Uh, one of the ones that I remember playing through was a guy that basically made a Metroid-style Mario game that had... Um, 
like a password system that you could basically input that would get you back to the same point that you were in. Uh, it's insane the type of things that people can come up with. Uh, but really, really cool game. I hope to see it again somehow on the Switch. I just don't know how they would be able to do that since the Switch can be played in uh, the docked mode and then you wouldn't really have a touchscreen. So I'm sure they'll work something out. And I would be very surprised if they didn't come out with like a Mario Maker 2 or something. Of course, uh, Super Smash Brothers can't forget that. I think it's the best, most complete version to date until Smash Ultimate comes out this fall, of course. But really, really set the benchmark for that series in terms of character selection and the levels. Um, I can't wait for Smash Ultimate because I feel like a lot of people didn't get to play Smash 4 because of the console that it was on and the limited audience that um, that it reached. But those that did probably played it sideways on a Wiimote, which is just an absolutely disgusting experience and one that I wouldn't wish on anyone. Uh, moving into... The current generation of consoles now so playstation 4 um, ps4 has been i think at this point i can say the best console i've ever owned in terms of just the overall user experience sony has just killed it this generation with the hardware and first party titles uh, some of the games that stand out to me are horizon zero dawn god of war detroit become human overwatch uncharted 4 destiny 1 and 2 Fortnite, of course, the rage right now, Wolfenstein 1 and 2, Until Dawn, Persona 5, Inside, and also Limbo, uh, and No Man's Sky with the recent update of No Man's Sky Next, but I actually really like the original one too. I know that's kind of uh, not the consensus for that game, but it was good. Um uh, but Horizon Zero Dawn, I think, is just a standout title, and currently that's my game of this entire generation. The combat in the game is absolutely incredible. Being able to set traps and then hunt these robot dinosaurs and eventually hack them and control them to fight for you is one of the coolest moments I've ever had in gaming. On top of that, the story and the world are absolutely stunning, especially on PS4 Pro, with a 4K TV, it just looks gorgeous. I can't wait to see what Guerrilla Games does next with the series. Um, I'm a little bummed out that I traded it in before the Frozen Wilds DLC came out, so I didn't get to experience that. Um, I'm waiting at some point to jump back in, though, and check that out, because that is a game that I would love to revisit. Another game that is currently my game of this year um, and a deserved one at that is God of War. Uh, I never really played the older God of War games, save for a couple moments here and there at friends' houses, but this game was so damn good. From the opening moments until the very end, I was glued to the screen. Following Kratos and Atreus through the mythical North and Norse environments, um, seeing all of these locations that you, you recognize from um, different media and like movies and stuff, that was cool. Uh, but Corey and the team over at Sony Santa Monica just hit it out of the park with this title. You guys did such a good job. If you haven't already checked it out, this game is worth every moment of your time. Um, I got the Platinum Trophy, which I, I rarely do in games, but I didn't even feel like it was a chore for this. It just was such a compelling experience, and I wanted to continue playing it and kind of see this entire world from corner to corner. 
Um, another game that I played recently that that I think is really um, outstanding is Detroit Become Human. It's a fictional decision-based game set in Detroit in the year 2038 where androids are walking among humans and are basically servants to uh, to us. Um, but you play these three separate stories that intertwine and your decisions are truly affecting the outcome of the game. I really enjoy this style of game. I love the decision-based games like the uh, Telltale series games, um, but those never really felt like your decisions mattered. This game... Um, after every chapter shows you like a, a skill tree basically of all of the potential outcomes based on the decisions you make and you can see the the game is massive um, I think the um, developers over there said that the script the original script was like 4,000 pages long or something so it's a huge huge game um, but I, I really enjoyed it and unlike Heavy Rain I actually saw it through to the end so I recommend checking this out if you like those decision-based games or if you just like good sci-fi movies because you're basically playing one this whole time. Another game of note that I enjoyed on PS4 was Inside, which came out, I want to say like two, three years ago. Um, it's another game by the folks that did Limbo, if you remember that one. follows the same formula of you basically dropped into this area and you're trying to move through it solving puzzles and platforming with absolutely no dialogue to go along with it. The story is basically told from the environment and the background. So it's this really incredible game where you're taking all these cues and, and you're piecing together what's going on um, based on what's happening around you. And the ending in the game is something that I can't even explain. It's uh, it's really cool. Very interesting. <laughs> Uh, it's, it's a, it's a memorable game for sure. And they just released a two pack on switch. So if you haven't checked out limbo or inside, there's a two pack that you can pick up on switch, which is really, really worthwhile. Uh, I also really loved my time with persona five again, just like persona four golden on the Vita. I haven't finished it because too many other games came out last year. Um, it was a very packed year of, of just game after game good stuff um, but I'd like to go back and, and finish it at some point I know in my heart that I probably never will but I still have the game in my drawer just in case I decide to go back to it um, and I'm sure you've heard already but the game is just oozing with style and character the artwork in the game and the voice acting is outstanding and I love being in Tokyo and just living in that world I think I finished about four or five palaces which are kind of like the, the main dungeons of the game. Um, so I don't know how much I actually have left, but I for sure enjoyed all the time that I played in it. All right, moving into Switch. Um, I don't want to rehash everything you've probably already heard about Zelda Breath of the Wild and Mario Odyssey, so I'll just move past those and say that they're both must-plays if you have a Switch. And yes, I did finish Zelda Breath of the Wild. Feeling pretty good about myself. Um, some other games that I would call out on that system are, um, Celeste, which came out earlier this year, Mario plus Rabbids, Kingdom Battle, Xenoblade Chronicles 2, Octopath Traveler, which we spoke about in the previous episode, uh, SteamWorld Dig 2, Hollow Knight, Sonic Mania, Arms, Splatoon 2, and Battle Chef Brigade. So instead of talking about Zelda and Mario for extended periods, um, I want to talk to you about some of the lesser known titles 
that I've enjoyed on Switch personally. And uh, first up is Celeste. So this game came out earlier this year, and I think if it weren't for all of the hype surrounding the 10 score it got from IGN, it probably would have gone relatively unnoticed, which is such a shame um, because it's it's an amazing game that everybody should try. Um, I would say it's one of my games of the year for sure and absolutely a must play. Basically, the premise is you're a young girl, you're battling with these emotions, and you're trying to climb this mountain both literally and metaphorically. Uh, the gameplay in it is just very satisfying. It's a platforming game. Um, the platforming is really tight, and each screen is basically a small puzzle that you have to solve. Uh, kind of reminds me a little bit of Super Meat Boy in the way that you die and you respawn automatically, uh, but that's what makes it so good. You can hurl yourself at these platforming puzzles over and over until you inevitably get through it, um, and it's just such a satisfying experience when you do. The game also feels like it's always pushing you to um, in terms of your skills. So going back to earlier levels after you finish them, um, you realize how much you've improved in that short time. And all of a sudden, these levels feel so juvenile and easy um, as compared to what you're working on at that time. And the ending of the game is fantastic. I would definitely recommend picking this game up. It's available on all platforms right now. Uh, and it is uh, $20, I believe. So unless they've got a sale, that should be the normal price. Another great experience I had was SteamWorld Dig 2. I remember seeing this back at the Nindies event last year and thought it looked great. So it prompted me to go back and play through SteamWorld Dig 1 on PS4, which I had never uh, played through. Um, that game was definitely good, but SteamWorld Dig 2 improves on it in almost every way possible. It's a Metroidvania-style game, so you're digging deep into these caverns and collecting loot that you bring back up to the surface and you sell it. Um, and eventually you either buy or you find these upgrades that make your traversal easier or allow you to reach these new areas. Um, I really liked it. It's great. The art is wonderful. Um, the areas that you, that you go into, even though you feel like how diverse can these caverns be, they definitely mix it up quite a bit. It's, it's a good one. Xenoblade Chronicles 2 was a game that came out at the end of last year to not much fanfare because of how many good games came out in 2017. I feel like it kind of got lost under the radar. Um, not only that, the, the release date was in December. So, you know, by that point, most people already have the games that they're playing for the year or, um, you know, looking forward to next year. So I feel like this game kind of just came out at such a bad time. Uh, but I remember each time I saw it on the Nintendo Directs, I thought to myself, hmm, I like RPGs, uh, but this game looks extremely convoluted. Uh, and I'm here to tell you that it is, but it's a really enjoyable game with a great story and satisfying combat. Um, that's probably the most convoluted part of the game is the combat system. But once you get the hang of it, it's basically uh, like a rhythm game when you're fighting enemies. So um, it's, it's got like a, <laughs> every, everything that you see online in terms of reviews kind of say it's got like a 20 hour tutorial that you have to get through. Um, cause you're, you're playing the game and you're still getting tutorial pop-ups 20 hours in. In fact, I think I saw another tutorial box come up at like the 40 or 50 hour point, um, basically introducing a new mechanic then. Uh, but it's definitely something that it is an enjoyable experience. I highly recommend it if you're into a little bit more of the hardcore RPG or JRPG style game. Lastly, Hollow Knight 
Uh, it's a game I just finished recently. Uh, it's another Metroidvania style game with really deep exploration. It's got kind of like a Souls-like difficulty too, where you get dropped into this environment with no information of where you are and why, and you explore and uncover lore and power up. Um, the art in the game is is stunning, and the music is equally as good. The version on Switch is also the full game, and the devs over at Team Cherry have added free DLC to the game. Um, the most recent one just released a couple days ago. They even went ahead and put the game on sale for the first time ever right now. So normally it's $15, which is already a steal for the game. Um, uh, I want to say I put in 25 plus hours or so, but you could easily double or triple that based on your experience. Um, it's on sale down to $9.99 right now. Uh, so that includes the base game and all three DLC packs, including the newly released Godmaster, which just came out a couple days ago. Haven't checked it out yet, but I'll definitely be diving back in because it is an awesome game. Um, this deal is live until the 27th of August, so uh, hurry up and pick that up. It's on Switch and on Steam right now. Uh, well, that about wraps up my gaming history. I hope you guys have some insights into the type of games I like and how it influences the type of games I gravitate towards in the future. If there's any games you feel that I missed that you think I would like, feel free to tweet at me at IYE podcast and let me know. Once again, if you have any questions or comments for the show, email me at inyourelementpodcast at gmail.com and I'll answer it on a future episode if you'd like. And lastly, I'd love your support over on patreon.com slash inyourelement. Every dollar helps me create the content and hopefully over time I can increase the amount of content offered. I just set up the Discord server today. So as you subscribe to the different tiers, you'll get an invite to that Discord server and have flair based on your subscription tier to show off to the others. Thanks again for joining me today. Remember, next week's episode, I'll be doing an interview with Patrick Higgy Jr., where we discuss his new book as well as retro gaming and more. See you then.